you know, either subconsciously or consciously critique the ads that are on television. You ever do that? You ever sit there and go, what a load of garbage. Oh, right, oh, you silly goose. Or, you know, things like that. Well, Ebony and I used to do that when she was a little bit, you know, smaller. We used to sit and, uh, and watch some television and uh, we would critique the ads and just really criticise them like crazy. And the one that really got to us was the BAM ad. BAM! BAM! And this guy just overacted. You, you remember this guy just overacting? And BAM, let me tell you, this BAM, man, you can scrub your toilet with this and you'd have to put sunglasses on to walk into the toilet. It'd be so bright. Just, uh, you know, and the walls would be all, you know, bright and your bathroom would just sparkle. And it's all because of, bam, this powerful cleanser. And, you know, um, it's, it's a great exaggeration, really. And really, seriously, um, no one, no product could live up to the claims that it makes. And I think you find that with every kind of advertisement that you might see on television. You just look at that and you go, that's not right. It's not real. Well, you know, as Christians, um, we also make some pretty serious claims. But we often contradict, just like in the ads, contradict what we say and how we live. And uh, we profess trust in God. We say, Lord, we trust you. We have confidence in you. We believe in you. And yet, we can find ourselves hanging on to uh, the things that this world values rather than the values that God has. And they're the ones we need to be pursuing. Do you want to know the, the values that Jesus um, really loves and w wants to see developed in us? Have a look at Matthew chapter 5 um, right through to chapter 7 and you'll see. Uh, the teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, uh, Sermon of the Mount, and uh, it, that's exactly the values, their kingdom values, and Jesus would love to see them more reflect in me and you as well. So this evening, uh, just for a short time, we're going to look at the first few verses of James, and this chapter gives you and me some very practical advice. If if you ever uh, are wondering, oh, what do I, what do I want to read? You know, if you haven't got a, um, a daily routine of reading your Bible, and I want to encourage you that you do get something like that. Um, Uversion is a very, very good app that you can put on your phone and great Bible, daily Bible reading. Does anybody use that? Who's that? Well done, guys. It's, I use it. It's, it's good every day. And uh, I know others use other kinds of resources as well. So, um, if you, but if you're not, and if you're wondering, oh, you know, what will I read? I, I, I want to encourage you to read James because it's a very practical book, very practical, down-to-earth teaching. And so tonight we want to look at just uh, chapter 1, uh, you know, a few verses of chapter 1 and uh, get some practical teaching on the truth about trials. 
trials and testings that we go through. And James um, writes this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now we could stop there and spend quite a bit of time on that first verse and we will look at some of um, of that first verse but whenever you face trials of many kinds there's a whole variety of of trials that that God sends our way. They're, they're, They're diverse in their variety and they're like that because God knows you and he knows me intimately. So God sets up for us um, special designed trials just for you and for me. So there are various, um, various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. What does that mean? Uh, well, it means this. If you, if you ask God something, um, don't think that you know, God's going to go, oh, you're kidding. You're joking. What a stupid thing to ask. really is. I don't believe it. He doesn't do that, right? He does not do that. He does not find fault in the things that you ask him. So if you ask for wisdom or if you ask for anything, you and I should be expectant. We should believe that God loves us and he will answer our prayer according to what is good and what is best for us. But he still will answer, okay? So he won't find fault uh, and it will be given to him or her. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who believes is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and he's unstable in all he does. In other words, double-minded meaning, oh yes he will, no he won't. Oh yes he will, oh no he won't. And you notice that Sometimes that's in our relationship and our Christianness, our knowing of God. Yes, he will. Oh, no, he won't. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, no, he won't. So we're like what? A wave. Wooshka, 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 wooshka that is blown by the wind. And really, the wind is the wind of doubt. It's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be settled on him that we can fully and totally trust him. Okay, so what do we see about the first thing about trials? Um, It's really our attitude. Our attitude to trials. Now that's important. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So first, it's really important to understand what James is not saying. What he's not saying. 
He's not saying that we should walk around all bubbly and happy saying, yay, life is really, you know, it's falling apart and wow, (laughs) don't you love it? You know, he's not saying that at all. He's not saying, I couldn't be happier, you know, that I'm being kicked in the teeth at the moment. It's great, you know. He's not saying that at all. Rather, he's saying that we should approach our trials with sound biblical attitudes. And he says that this attitude is joy. That attitude is joy. You know, many years ago, uh, when my eldest son was around about 15, I remember saying to him one time, you know, Mark, uh, you've lost your joy. I can't see Jesus in you at all. Um, you've lost your joy. And he said to me, oh, don't be ridiculous, Dad. Right? Um, that's silly. I... I, I I still, I'm a Christian and I believe in, in Jesus. I said, yeah, but you've lost your joy. There's no joy there. And it was only a matter of a few months after that that some things happened and that joy uh, of his relationship with Christ was restored. And so there's an attitude of joy that God wants us to have when we are approaching or going through trials and testing. It's not a false joy. It's not something that you dredge up. It's not something that you would read in a motivational book. You know, in fact, uh, again, years ago, I, I did a whole lot of uh, uh, courses and uh, became one of the assistants in a course called the Dale Carnegie course, which is all about public speaking and all that kind of stuff. And we used to start off the meeting with this, this little mantra, um, and the, these were the actions as well, you know, Osa, act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be... Enth-. So we you know, had about 60 mainly men, some women, and, and they were all uh, managers and executives out of some of the big companies, and we would have <laughs> these people going, act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic, and you work them up, right? Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. And there's a bit of truth in that, but this is not what the word is saying here. It's not something that you beat up. I'm going to be joyful. Look at me, I'm joyful. Even know what's happening. It's not that. This is a deep-seated joy, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in, in Galatians 5, that the Holy Spirit develops in us, grows in us. Why? How? Through our growing confidence and trust in God. That's, that's where it comes from. That's where your joy comes from. It comes from your confidence in God and your trust in him. Have you noticed in your own walk with the Lord, when you begin to mistrust, you become all down? Yeah. Your whole attitude and your whole standing and your whole, you know, ancient word, your whole gait, the way you walk and carry yourself, is a whole lot of difference when uh, compared to how you are when you're trusting God when you have confidence in God. 
And that's the truth. And you know it because you've been in both places. And so this is not a false hope, uh, a false joy, but one that finds its very source in our trusting and our confidence in God. Isaiah says, In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Where does your strength come from? It comes from confidence in God. So the next thing to note is this. It's not about if you uh, face trials, but basically when, when you uh, face trials. So if you say tonight, well, (laughs) I'm not going through a trial. Well, Monday's tomorrow. (laughs) And so uh, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So trials come. They keep coming. They keep coming and they're here with us until we draw our last breath. And they're here for a purpose, and we'll talk about that purpose. Uh, We can expect them, because they're going to come. And just because you and I are believers in Jesus, it doesn't exempt us from trials and testings. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is finishing up on his sermon on the mount. And you remember the story he talks, he tells uh, the people, um, he who hears my word and does it, right? not enough to hear it, he who hears my word and does it is like a person who builds their house, who builds their lives on a firm foundation. So when the wind comes and when the storm, not if, But when the wind comes and the storm comes, their life will be able to stand firm because they're standing on what? They're standing on the absolute truth and certainty and the trustworthiness of the word of God, of the word of Jesus. And that's where you and I need to stand. Otherwise, we're like what James says, we're in this place, and then we're in over in this place, and maybe, and maybe, we're just vacillating back and forth. God doesn't want us to be in that place. It's not a good place. It's not a happy place. It's not a a joy-filled place. It's the opposite. And so Jesus went on to say, and he who hears my word and doesn't do it is like somebody who put their roots down, put their life on sand. And when the wind and the waves and the storm came, their house collapsed. So uh, we need to be those who build our lives, who place our lives on the firm foundation of the Word of God. This Word is incredibly, incredibly important. You know, the, uh, who knows the evangelist Billy Graham? Okay, you've heard of Billy Graham. He's 92 or 93 years of age. Uh, uh, probably 10 years ago, they asked him, if you could live your life over again, what would you do different? And he said, I would saturate myself in the word of God. Now that is Billy Graham, and I would have thought he was fully saturated in the Word of God. 
But he's saying, sorry. <laughs> so so um, he's saturated in the word of God and that's what we should be as well. This word should be written on the walls of our heart and in our minds. Okay? And so if the enemy wants to get to you, what he will do is he will stop you from reading this. So when the trials and the testings do come, you won't know what God's word says about it. You won't know that he says, be joyful when trials and testings come. So sadly, some um, Christians feel that they should be exempt from trials and testings. Well, that wasn't in Jesus' mind at all. <laughs> right. Oh, there we go. Um, Jesus said this, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And Paul wrote that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now James was writing to Christians who had been uprooted from their families. Think of those refugees. Uprooted from their families and their homes and they were being persecuted for their faith and they were being scattered everywhere. And so he's saying to them, you know, you're going through a really, really hard time. And what should be your attitude in that? It should be one of joy because you're trusting in God's word. You're having, you've got confidence in him and you, your confidence and your trust says that God will get you through it. God will get you through it. That's where your joy lies. Okay. Now I doubt very much if there are many of us here tonight who will be called upon to suffer in the way of, say, the Chinese Christians, where it's reported by the Christian World Report that uh, 1,100 uh, Christians are executed every month in China. Okay, So you and I will probably never be called on to suffer to that degree. But when it comes to trials, every Christian throughout their lives, that's you and me, uh, will experience them. And our response, your response to them is critical to how we grow, how you grow in both your faith and your character. So uh, the answer, so what's the answer? I should ask the question. The answer is always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And that's Paul to the Thessalonians. Always, it says always be joyful. Always be joyful. And how can one be always joyful? Well, you can be thankful in all circumstances. What are you going through at the moment? Are you in a position, a place of, of testing that God has brought into your life? 
a time of trial, then the word says this. It says, always, just be joyful. James says, count it pure joy. And be thankful in all circumstances. That doesn't mean to say that, you know, um, again, that you have this... um, uh, you know, attitude that, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm, I'm going to be thankful in all things. It doesn't mean that at all. You're thankful, you and I are thankful because God will bring us through. And there's always a purpose and a reason for the things that are happening in our lives. And so we are thankful. Okay. So when you begin to think of trials and testings, what's the difference between a trial and temptation? Now, there is a difference, and the short answer, I think, is found in James, where James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, This is what happens to you and I. Okay, follow the progression. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, God doesn't tempt us. It's our own evil desires, our own desires, our sinful desires that uh, cause us to be tempted. And so when, if we, if we stay in the place of temptation too long, it grabs hold of us and drags us away. Have you ever noticed that in your own experience? The temptation comes, but then all of a sudden it begins to grow. It begins to grow in your thoughts and in your desires. It just grows and grows and grows and grows. And it's dragging you away. What's it dragging you away from? From that desire to honor God and not to sin, but it's strong. So it drags you away and once it gets you, um, you know, in the end, he's giving an illustration of birth here. In the end, it just sin. We sin. So, we shouldn't say that God is tempting us at all. Temptations come from our own sinful hearts and desires within us, while trials, now this is important, right? Trials come from what God desires for you. Trials come from God. That should be a great comfort. It should be. should be a great comfort to you that trials come from Him because He designs them specifically knowing us intimately. So they come from Him. And James wrote that... The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance 
must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. We can't really know know how strong our faith is or what is the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. Does God know how much faith you have? Oh, yeah. Do you? That is the big question. Oftentimes, we think we have more faith than we've got. But you see, God wants to develop something that is much deeper and much more valuable and it's in his heart, it's his desire for each of us and that's perseverance. You know, um, when Robin and I uh, first became Christians and we went into a youth group, there were 60 young people in our youth group and uh, we got involved and, and just had heaps of friends and everything. 60 young people, Robin and I, are the only two, to our knowledge, who follow the Lord. See, perseverance. Perseverance. God is developing within you and me stickability, hanging in their nests. Like that word? Stickability. Faithfulness, persistence, they're the things that God is developing in us. And in Peter, he says, oh my goodness, that is far more valuable than gold. It's gold to God. Your persistence and perseverance. And he's doing that so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay. Um, has anybody ever here, by mistake, taken a tea bag and put it in cold water? <laughs> I've done that. Have you done that? Yeah, like you think you've boiled the kettle, but you haven't. You've so you put it in and it goes like this and you go, <laughs> weak. <laughs> What's wrong with this tea bag? <laughs> <laughs> But if you boil the water and put the tea bag in, it, it draws out everything that is in that tea bag. All the flavours and the aroma and the strength and everything like that, right? That's what trials and testings do. You and I don't know ourselves until God drops us in hot water. Yeah, exactly. And then what is within us starts to come out of us. And so oftentimes when I think about myself, what comes out of me is impatience and complaining and uh, asking the why question and stomping my feet around and blaming God, all of those kinds of things. You see, God's dropping us in the hot water and he is exposing what our hearts are really like. 
He already knows what they're like, but he wants us, he wants you to know what your heart is like and he wants me to know what my heart is like as well. So temptations, on the other hand, sets us up for failure. God sets us up with trials and testings for good and for success and that we might grow in our faith and our character Whereas temptations, on the other hand, set us up for failure and defeat and to sin like we read. They bring out the worst in us while trials bring out the best in us. Temptations come when we least expect them, but God sends a trial, a testing along our way when he knows we're ready for them. Don't you love that? It's not like God goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about today, Bryce? Let's drop one on him. Right? And no, he doesn't do that. Okay, he doesn't do that. He knows when the time is right. Jesus called him a, the great, his father, the gardener, the head gardener. He knows when to prune. He knows what to do because he loves you. So there you go. Um, so he reveals to us, um, you know, what our faith is like, the depth of our faith uh, and our character as well. And we know about the testings, for instance, that Job went through. And Job, <laughs> there you go, Job said, but he knows, God knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That's Job 23 and verse 10. You see the purposes of God? Uh, God is testing Job. Uh, God tested Job so that he would come out like pure gold. And that's what he does with us, as I already said in First Peter. He talks about that very thing. So when trials come, don't pretend. Don't pretend don't try to self-hypnosis. You know, Don't try self-hypnosis. Simply look at the trial through the eyes of faith. God is doing something in my life to grow faith in me, to grow perseverance, to do a deep work uh, in my character. So outlook de determines the outcome. To end with joy, at the end of the trial, you've got to begin it with joy. Okay? It's a great lesson. Okay, so what is God's... Um, <laughs> just, okay. Uh, there we go. What, what's God's goal in all of this? Well, God's goal is your maturity, your growth. Perseverance must finish... It's work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, God wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants to become you and I to become more like Christ. And so um, his end goal for trials and testings is uh, maturity. Uh, but what does that mean? Okay, what, what does that mean? What is maturity and how do you know, how do you know 
And how do you identify it in yourself? How do you identify it in others? So let me talk a little, just quickly now, what maturity is not. Maturity is not age. All the old people in here, and I feel really sorry for all the old people. Um, I know I'll get there one day, but in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, you know, maturity is not age. Okay, maturity is not age. It's got nothing to do with how long you've lived or how long you've been a Christian. You can be a Christian for 50 years and not be mature, spiritually mature. And I remember reading a bumper sticker that said this, I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. And that's what happens with a lot of Christians as well, just refuse to give up. And so they, uh, to grow up. And so they, they, they stay in that place of immaturity because when trials and testings come, they, they run away or they blame God or whatever they might do. Um, and so they, they don't grow. So maturity has nothing to do with your age. Uh, maturity's got nothing to do with your achievement and you know uh, what you've accomplished. You can accomplish a lot and still be very immature. I think there's a whole heap of immature millionaires running around. I love Johnny Depp, but truly, that stupid dog of his, and you know, and, and some of the stuff he says, I go, oh, for goodness sake. But, uh, you know, what, when you look at that, you go, uh, how immature is that? Grow up. Okay? Millionaires, but still need to grow up. They're immature. Maturity is all about your character. And D.L. Moody, you've never heard, some of the young people never heard of D.L. Moody, he was a great preacher, a great evangelist. He's with the Lord now and this is what he said. Character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are in the dark. Oh, I can look really good up here in the light. At least I think I look pretty. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I was going to say, I think I look pretty good in the light. Get the light, go! <laughs> Steady on! <laughs> but when you don't see me, we'll call that the dark place, that's where my character, your character as well, should shine out. That's who we really are. Listen, your character is the essence of you. Forget about what you look on the outside, okay? You can't all look as good as me. <laughs> Thank you. Give it your best. You can't all, it's nothing to do on the outside, it's on the inside. And who looks on the inside? God, amen. He looks on the inside. Okay, so it's, Character has all got to do with who you are in the dark and trials rightly help us to mature. How does God spell maturity? <laughs> Not M-A-U. <laughs> well, he spells it this way and you see it in the word, patience and perseverance and joy. Okay, The ability to keep going when the going gets rough and tough to keep going and God uses trials to develop our character and deepen our faith. 
Let me ask you a, just a ridiculous question right now. How many of us here tonight really want greater faith in Christ? Yeah, absolutely. How many of us here tonight want to grow to be more like the Lord Jesus? Amen. Amen. It doesn't just drop out of the sky. It's like you can't say, that, hey, God, dump it on me right now, right? It doesn't happen that way. We've learned tonight, we've seen tonight that God uses trials to grow that faith and, and that God uses trials to mature us, uh, to mature our character, who we really are. So I'm going to finish with a, a little story. Uh, it, it's, it's quite humorous actually. I think it is. Anyway, one day uh, a farmer's donkey fell down a well. Imagine. How the heck does a donkey get down a well, right? <laughs> anyway, this donkey, very intelligent donkey, uh, I think it was the goat that gave him a leg up. <laughs> the donkey thought, I'm trying to get Sarah to laugh. She's looking at me. And, oh, there she is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this donkey falls down a well, all right? And so the animal just moaned and groaned for hour after hour after hour. And so the farmer's trying to figure out, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this donkey out of the well? Right? So the poor old donkey just keeps moaning and groaning. So finally what the farmer decided to do was that he would uh, um, start shoveling dirt into the well and hopefully he would bury the donkey and then he wouldn't have to listen to the donkey um, making all this horrible noise. Okay, so it's one way to bury the donkey. So he called some friends to help him. So they start shoveling dirt in and all of a sudden no more noise. And so the farmer goes, oh, I feel a little bit sorry, but oh, thank goodness, you know. And then all of a sudden he, he heard something. So he's looked in. And um, the donkey's standing still. So he threw another shovel load of dirt on the donkey and when it hit the donkey, he just shook it and landed on the ground. So they kept shoveling like crazy and every time the dirt hit the donkey, he just shook it off and he began to step up. So he got higher and higher and higher as the dirt pile got higher and higher and higher until in the end um, he steps out of the well alive. I'm here to tell you that's a true story. <laughs> I can't believe it. You guys just went. I reckon he's the preacher so he's got to be telling the truth. Huh? What? What? Who said that? Put your hand up. Are you? Fiona, you were the donkey. And <laughs> I really do have the gift of encouragement. <laughs> Okay, so what's the moral of the story? 
Well, life is... <laughs> Excuse me. Life is going to shovel dirt on you, right? All kinds of dirt. The trick to getting out of the well is to shake it off and to step up, right? Each of our trials is a stepping stone. Get that? Each of the trials is a stepping stone. You may think that the trial has the power to bury you and it does if you don't have your attitude right, if you don't understand what the trial and the, is all about. It will bury you. If you don't have trust and confidence in God, it will bury you, believe you, believe me, <laughs> preferably. <laughs> so they're stepping stones and we can get out of the deepest well by not stopping, by never giving up, shaking off and stepping up, not wasting our opportunities and God, that God gives to you and I of experiencing him. We often think that, oh God, if you just dump your love all over me and, and you know, um, bring re renewal to my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit and, and I'll get to know you even more. There's some truth in that and there's probably a lot of truth in that. But God chooses trials and testings so that we may get to know him better and know ourselves better. So what's the conclusion of all of this? And... The conclusion is that I never wrote it down. <laughs> the conclusion is the last bit of that um, uh, you know, passage of scripture where James says, Blessed is the man or stroke woman who perseveres under trial because when he, she has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So there's a reward that's ahead of us as well. I don't know what you, uh, whether or not you're going through some kind of trial or testing right now. And I, for one, uh, not for one second would I make light of what is happening for you. But I want you to take this word tonight and put it in your life right now, okay? Right now. The things that have, that have come from God's word and count it all joy. Uh, look to God, have confidence and trust in him and he will get you through. Have the right attitude about what is happening and he will get you through. No doubt about it. And so, Father, we thank you for the, uh, just the opportunity, the time we've had just to be able to share tonight from your word. And, Lord, we ask that um, your word would be written on our hearts and our minds tonight and that the word that, that would come uh, would be a word specifically for each of us. And I believe, Father, that you have spoken into the hearts of people tonight. 
And I pray that that seed that has been planted will bear fruit. It will grow and flourish. And I give you thanks and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.